I have in hand a beautiful book called Adventures of an Italian Food Lover, and the author is Faith Heller Willinger. And in this book, we are treated to all kinds of absolutely wonderful food, wonderful recipes, uh, wonderful names, and uh, we are really reminded of the splendid array of uh, cuisines which are represented in the nation of Italy. And uh, here in southeastern Wisconsin, of course, with so many Italians, we have uh, good acquaintance with at least uh, a couple of stripes of Italian food, but actually it is a, a, a rich universe of, of possibilities. And you can learn about so much of that in this book, which includes um, hundreds of recipes. Well, it's recipes, but even more important, stories about the friends that I've made. Oh, absolutely. Uh, living in Italy for over 35 years, I've met a lot of interesting people. I've always been a writer, and I've written about food and wine and travel in Italy. And in my travels, I've met thousands of people, and I've chosen some of my favorites, and they've all given me recipes. Yes, and it's really, really uh, wonderful to read through uh, many of these. Uh, you say in the introduction that your husband likes to call you a samurai shopper. It's kind of an interesting term in an Italian book. Tell us in what way you are a samurai shopper. Because I feel that you have to uh, get out there early and confront what you find in the market and find the very best with, the most, with a warrior spirit. I want the best for my family. I want to get out there and get the greatest stuff I can to work with and then get back in my kitchen and make something fantastic. Well, and, and I, I like how you say at one point, with building blocks like these, I mean, with the very best dried and frozen chili peppers, salt-packed capers, and so on, with those kind of building blocks, it's easy to throw a meal together just by you know adding a little bit of produce and so on, and all of a sudden you have something absolutely spectacular because you began with something wonderful. Right. Well, you know, if you have wonderful ingredients, all you need are a few special Italian items like extra virgin olive oil. My husband is Tuscan. He brainwashed me with extra virgin. <laughs> so tell us, first of all, about that region of Italy where you have lived for uh, all of these years. Well, I've, I've lived in Tuscany for almost all of my time in Italy, but my husband says I'm never home. I'm always on the road because I do a lot of traveling. Uh, that's how I met all these people, and that's how I learned so much about the cuisines of the, all of the different regions of Italy. But Tuscany is outside my front door, and so that's why it's the biggest chapter in the book. It was just the easiest for me because I've got so many friends there. Right, and so and that's kind of uh, around uh, Florence, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it's, and uh, I think that one of the great things about this book are the illustrations, because they're by my sister, who's one of my very best friends. She began spending a couple of weeks in the winter in Florence just to avoid the very worst weather on her island off the coast of Maine. And the next year she came for a month, and then she came for a couple of months. And at this point, she's got an apartment all year round, spends most of the year around the corner from my house. We meet every day for a coffee. and She comes on many of my travels and painted the watercolors that illustrate my book. And they are beautiful. There are some great stories in this book. One of them is about falling in love with your butcher. Why don't oh, you tell our listeners about that? My butcher is an amazing guy. He is, first of all, the most beautiful meat. In the same way that there's a difference between supermarket olive oil and the very best stuff, there's a big difference between ordinary meat and extraordinary meat. 
But Dario, not only an incredible butcher with incredible knife skills, but he recites Dante. <laughs> he also you don't, you don't find that at your grocery <laughs> store, do you? Not every day. Not every day. He has a he has a quote in here that I think is quite interesting. Um, that uh, the panzanea isn't meat; it's an emotion, one right. of life's joys. Well, you know, that's what Italy is about. You're not just having a piece of meat. You're having an emotion. And that's a wonderful idea. Those are calories that are worth consuming. Very good. So give us a, a, a brief history lesson, if you would, about, in effect, these, these three different regions that you cover in your book. You've touched on the fact that Tuscany is the, the primary region and closer to your own home, but you begin with northern and central Italy and finish in the south. Uh, sketch for us, if you would, the way in which these these three regions differ from one another. And well, maybe explain, too, how even within these regions there is a whole lot of variety to be found. Well, even within the regions, even city to city, the cuisine changes in Italy. But I put the north and cent- the the northern part of the book, northern and central, is basically the area where butter is used more often than olive oil. Although, if I can avoid butter, I do, because my husband's a Tuscan and he hates it. He always says he's allergic. He's really not allergic. He just doesn't want to eat it. And then Tuscany, of course, is where I live, and so that's the region that's the biggest in this book. It's an olive oil region. And also southern Italy, olive oil instead of butter. And I've written about northern and central Italy extensively, but this is the first time I've really had a shot at the south. And Mm. that's an area that makes my heart beat faster. (laughs) Tell us a little more about it. Well, it's the sunniest part of Italy. It's the place where pizza was born. And there's the cult of pasta, eating al dente pasta. Uh, One of my favorite uh, recipes in the book is from Tonino and Caterina Palmieri, and it's for a ricotta with condiments. He's the most handsome mozzarella producer I have ever met in my life, and the most scrupulous. Uh, He's totally organic. He owns the buffalo. He raises the feed. They make this glorious cheese, and his beautiful wife is lactose intolerant. Oh, dear. So she's not eating that mozzarella. Mm. That's too bad. It's certainly a loss for her. Um, One of the things that is intriguing is that once in a while we will see in in some of these recipes a very familiar name or a very familiar something or other, but combined with things that uh, we would just never imagine would be possible. For instance, in this section of the book, there's a recipe for spaghetti with walnuts and anchovies. Yes, that's from Don Alfonso, uh, an amazing restaurant uh, that spans, it's sort of at the end of the Sorrento Peninsula, and you can see at various times the Gulf of Naples and the Gulf of Salerno from their area. And they cook from their wonderful, huge, organic garden, and they are just the most lovely people. Hmm. One of the things that's intriguing to me also is that some of the restaurants that are represented here um, are tiny establishments. I remember one in particular, you mentioned a, a, a little restaurant that has five tables in it. I mean, so for some of these places, they are really tucked away and probably places we would we would never ever find 
uh, were it not for you uh, making mention of them in this beautiful well, book. I want to I share the great Italian experience. If I find a place that's wonderful, I don't want to keep it all to myself. I want everybody I know, and even everybody I don't know, to be able to go. Oh, in, in, in several cases, you'll mention a restaurant that will not have a menu, like uh, one place called La Galura, for instance. Yes. You mentioned has no menu, but you say you would trust the staff to uh, choose an appropriate meal. How common is that in Italy? Well, technically, most restaurants, I think technically they have to have a, uh, a menu, but so many restaurants have clients who trust them, and uh, they're going to recommend the best dishes of the day. They're, these are restaurants that have menus that change quite often. La Galuda, for example, is a fish restaurant, so what they're serving depends on what they caught. Hmm. Some of the, res the, the recipes you've chosen, uh, I mean, when, when you are talking about a, a given chef and all kinds of spectacular things they're responsible for, uh, I get the sense that you have specifically chosen recipes which might possibly be doable, <laughs> as opposed to, I mean, if, if you do not have access to some of the, the wonderful things that are essential to some of these recipes, there's probably not much point in tantalizing us with recipes we could never follow. Talk for a moment about that. Okay, I want you to share in my adventures. And so, since I don't want to spend three days making a dish and then eat it in two minutes, I'd like to have faster and easier food, and I'd like to share that with my readers. Uh, I don't want to spend all day in the kitchen, every once in a while maybe, but Basically, I want to get food on, on the table for people I love, and so I've chosen recipes that tend to be a little bit easier. Hmm. Talk for a moment about the way typically people eat a meal in a restaurant in Italy. The, uh, the time it takes is really kind of intriguing. It uh, sounds like uh, heaven to me. Well, it is heaven. You know, there's a, pr a, a procedure to the meal. You don't have to have all the courses. But you always have two or three. Uh, so you could have an appetizer, a main course, and a dessert. You could have a plate of pasta and a salad and a dessert or a piece of cheese. You could work the meal the way you want to. And actually, in Italy, if you, if you walked into a restaurant and said, I think I want to start with dessert, and then I'm going to have the rest of the meal, they'd say, here's the person who knows what they want. I think if you did the same thing in France, they'd kick you out of the restaurant. <laughs> And so we are talking about taking time and, and luxuriating uh, in the experience. Well, and having, and having a, an experience at the table that you're sharing with somebody else. I think that that's a condiment that makes the meal even better. Hmm. So what about when you uh, do the cooking at home? Uh, what kind of experience has that been for you over the years? First of all, were you an able, assured uh, chef uh, 30 years ago? Well, I was a decent cook, but I had learned to cook on TV from Julia Child, like many people in my generation. And when I got to Italy in the early 70s, I was, like, shocked because I knew meatballs and spaghetti and pizza, and all of a sudden I was introduced to about a, a million new foods and decided I wanted to learn all about it. Very good. Around this uh, neck of the woods, I know that there are quite a few uh, Italian-Americans whose, whose ancestors hail from uh, Calabria. So I think some of our listeners would especially appreciate if you could talk about that part of Italy a little bit. Well, actually, I, I had many recipes 
that had to be eliminated from this book because otherwise it was going to look like the Manhattan Phone Directory. And one of them was from Calabria. And it was a fabulous recipe because I wanted to teach people to make tuna the way they make canned tuna in Italy. Because if you've ever seen canned tuna in the States, it sort of looks like cat food. And if you've ever seen a piece of fresh tuna, you know that it looks completely different from the stuff in the can. Hmm. Well, the Italian tuna in the can looks exactly like the fresh tuna. So I wanted to teach people how to make tuna the way the Italians do. Hmm. But unfortunately, it didn't make the cut, huh? did not make the cut. If anyone wants, they can email me at my website, which is www.faithwillinger.com, and I'll send them the recipe for real Calabrian tuna. Very good. I wanted to ask you about uh, something else that's mentioned at some point, something called the Potter Recipe Club. Is that something you're involved in or just your publisher? Well, my publisher has involved me in the recipe club, and so there are going to be some of my recipes that are involved in that effort. Yeah. Can you just explain what that is, the Potter Recipe Club? I'm actually not quite sure what the Potter Recipe Club is, but they told me I'm part of it. <laughs> so some of your recipes are part of that. Okay. Yes. Very, very, very good. Uh, let's finish out with uh, maybe a, a word or two about the changes that you've seen in Italy and in Italian cuisine, if you've seen significant differences over, over the course of these 30-plus years that you have lived there. Well, I've been there for 30-plus years, but Italy's been around for 25 centuries, and they have been accepting new ingredients and new influences into their food from the year zero, even before. And, uh, for example, the spa all the wild and crazy Spanish stuff that's going on, there are some restaurants that have been influenced by that. Other restaurants will say, no, 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 no. I'm sticking to my traditions. I'm going to make the food that my great, 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 great grandmother made. Hmm. So we have a, 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 just a wide range of choices. But uh, things are changing. You know, there are new tools to use so that my new wave fabulous restaurant in the north that um, has three Michelin stars, for example, will use the sous vide and the chill blaster and all the new techniques. And yet some people will be there rolling out the pasta by hand with a wooden pin. Hmm. Interesting, too, how s so often in this book we see the term uh, organic or organic gardening. Uh, that uh, for people where this is something important, Italy is, is a great place to go. Well, it's a fabulous place to go. And there are many people in Italy who I define as pre-organic. They've never asked permission. They're doing things the way they've always done them. They're not certified, but they're every bit as organic as the other people. Very good. Uh, you mentioned your website earlier, uh, which I meant to visit before I did the interview and didn't get a chance, so I'll visit it as soon as we're done. What am I going to find there besides other recipes that didn't make it into the book? Well, you're not going to find the recipes. You have to email me to oh, get those. Oh, right. Okay. But you're going to find a twirling fork... <laughs> it's twirling spaghetti. You're going to find a postcard rack, because in my kitchen I have a postcard rack, and right now in the postcard rack on my website, I have my sister's watercolors from the book. Mm. But when I change the website, whatever my latest adventure is, I usually have pictures of the adventure linking to the places where I've been so that you can actually see where I've been. And if you're planning a trip to Italy, you can get all the information about how to go to the same places that I've been. Very good. 
Well, this is in the meantime a wonderful way to uh, learn a bit more about this, uh, this beautiful country. The book again is called Adventures of an Italian Food Lover with recipes from 254 of my very best friends. And uh, it's published by Clarkson Potter and uh, the author Faith Heller Willinger. And again, uh, Suzanne Heller is responsible for the beautiful watercolor uh, illustrations. And uh, Ms. Willinger is also uh, responsible for the book uh, Eating in Italy and Red, White, and Greens. And uh, we thank you so much for uh, putting this beautiful book together and for joining us on the morning show to talk about it. Best wishes to you. Thanks a lot, Greg. Ciao.